There is no substitute for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Each weekday on Enjoying the Journey, Scott Pauley leads us in a brief study of Scripture. Today, on the Weekend Pulpit, we are happy to share a full-length Bible message given through Scott's pulpit ministry. These messages were recorded live in a local church or gospel event in recent days. It is our prayer that the message will be a help to you today. Great to see all of you tonight. I've been looking forward to being here. I've known the pastor, as he said, for a long time. I think that class he walked into that I was teaching, that was my first year teaching at the college. And uh, I, I remember that well. And actually, I was serving as the youth director at that time, and Andrew was in our youth group. How many of you would like to hear some great stories on Andrew? Would you raise your hand? I've got some, let me tell you. Maybe we should use that as a church promotion for tomorrow, right? Come tomorrow for those. Uh, were these your girls, Andrew, that were singing here? Man, beautiful girls. Praise God for Jesus and mothers, right? And uh, that was wonderful. And I saw them sitting down here on the front row. I thought maybe they were going to be the amen corner tonight, but I appreciated them singing. Great to see your family. And uh, I know we've got friends visiting with us, and it's wonderful to see you. And let me just tell you, don't come here tomorrow, all right? You'll get us in real trouble. Be in your church tomorrow, but we are glad you're here tonight. And uh, glad to be with this church family. How many of you do attend this church? Would you raise your hand, please? Oh, that's good. Well, we're going to get to spend the whole day together tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to it. And I understand I came on the right weekend because you're eating tomorrow. That's always a good Lord's Day. And uh, we're going to have a good time of fellowship. I'm very happy my wife is with me. Uh, Tammy and I just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary this summer. and We have three children that all look like their mother. Praise God for that. Our girls, I was looking at these girls a minute ago thinking about ours. Our girls are 22 and 20 now. And we just saw them this week in another state. Our youngest, our son, just turned 17. And so we're entering a new season of life for us. But we're glad to be traveling together and serving the Lord together. And now she is from that state up north. You know that other state up north just across the border? I saw you had a Michigan fan across the street from your church. Are you a Michigan fan too? May the Lord help us all. Yes. We, this church really does need revival. I mean, it really needs a great awakening. But my wife is from <laughs> Michigan, and I am from West Virginia. Anybody here from West Virginia? Would you raise your hand? Oh, I see some mountaineers. That's good. Anybody ever been to West Virginia? How many of you have heard of West Virginia? Would you raise your hand? Yeah. We're a state, in case you're wondering. We wear shoes and have our teeth and all of that. And so um, we're about halfway between where she's from and where I'm from, where we live now in West Virginia. But... Traveling in evangelism, we were in Knoxville for 22 years, and uh, for the last seven years have been on the road trying to encourage pastors and help churches and preach the gospel. And so we're just excited to get to serve with you for a couple days. Now, I have nothing to say to you. What do you think about that? Not a thing to say to you, but the Lord has much that he wants to say to us. And so I want us to open the Word of God together tonight. Do you have a Bible with you? You have a Bible? Good. I want you to open your Bible, please, near the end of your New Testament to the book of 2 Peter. Now, the interesting thing, we're near the end of the New Testament, and the theme of 2 Peter is really to encourage end-time Christians. In fact, I wish I had time to show you this, but if you take 2 Peter and you take the book of Jude and lay them side by side and compare Scripture with Scripture, 
It is literally like two train tracks lying next to one another, parallel tracks moving in the same direction. You see a lot of repeated emphases because both of these books, 2 Peter and Jude, help us get ready to meet Jesus. Did you know we're all getting ready to meet Jesus? And 2 Peter was written with the idea of encouraging God's people to keep their hearts stirred until the day they see Christ. Let me testify just a moment before we look at the Scripture together. I have learned through the years that the easy thing is getting stirred and the hard thing is staying stirred. How many have been saved long enough to know what I'm talking about? So you come to a meeting, you have a special series of meetings and somebody comes to town, preaches a sermon, people can get stirred up, but the reality is the Christian life is not lived one day a week or one week a year. It has to be lived every day of your life from this day to the day you see Jesus face to face. And if that is going to happen, we've got to learn the secret of how to keep our own hearts stirred before the Lord. In fact, let me show you. This is not my text tonight, but here's the, here's the purpose verse of the book. Everybody look at 2 Peter 3 and verse 1 because Peter tells us why he wrote this book under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, this second epistle, remember this is the second letter he wrote, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. I love this thought. He said, if you're going to get ready for what is ahead of you, then you can't forget what has happened behind you. If you're going to get ready to meet Jesus, then you've got to remember what the Lord has taught you and what the Lord has done in your life. It's the only way to stay stirred. And so if you'll permit me, today and tomorrow, the four meetings that we have together in this series of meetings, I'm going to preach all of the messages from this one little book of the Bible. Look at it with me just for a minute. There's only three chapters here. They're not long chapters. And uh, I love this book. It's a rich, wonderful book. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say it's their favorite book of the Bible. I'm just curious. Anybody here say 2 Peter is your favorite book of the Bible? I'm looking. How many of you have a favorite book of the Bible? Mine is Philippians, and one of our Bible teachers used to say his favorite was whichever one he was studying at the time. I like that one. It's all the Word of God. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say 2 Peter is their favorite book of the Bible, but I'm convinced of this. If all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, the Holy Spirit has a message that we desperately need from the book of 2 Peter, especially at the hour we are living in at this moment. And so I'm going to ask you to do something. Forgive me using a dirty word in church, but I'm going to give you a homework assignment. I'm going to ask you this weekend if you'll read 2 Peter through devotionally on your own. Now, don't start now because if you read it in church, it doesn't count, all right? So you have to do it at home, on your own time, with your family or devotionally. But I want you to read these three chapters over the next couple of days and ask the Spirit of the living God to speak to you. Let's begin here tonight. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse number 16. I love this portion. The Bible says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, stop just a minute and look at me. Who's writing this book of the Bible? You tell me, please. Who's writing? Yeah, it's a very smart group. All right, good. We're in 2 Peter. This is Peter's letter. Peter was an eyewitness of the Lord Jesus. He was an eyewitness of the resurrection. He was an eyewitness of the ascension. He was an eyewitness of the glory of Christ. And he says, I want you to know something. This is not some figment of the imagination. This is not some fairy tale. This is not 
some fantasy we conjured up or somebody invented. This is a fact, and I can tell you that because I saw him with my own eyes. How many of you are glad tonight that we are not following fables? Yes? In fact, did you know, everybody look at the verse just a minute. Did you know that the word fables there is the very same word we get our word myth from? We talk about mythical things. I want you to know, what I'm preaching to you tonight is no myth. This is the truth of the Word of God. In fact, I love the last part of the verse. Look at the last word of verse 16. He says, majesty. Watch, please. We are not following myths. We are following the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Lord pulls back the curtain and begins to show the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And look at verse 17. For he, that is Christ, received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. I must pause just a moment. I'm not preaching on this, but look at verse number 19 again. Praise God for this. Do you know we're living in a dark place right now? Are we living in dark days? Very dark. But watch this, please. He gives light now through the scriptures, and he says there's a greater light coming, and that is the word of God. Look, we have the light of the written word, and the light of the living word is coming back very soon. And here's one of my favorite titles for Jesus. Circle it in your Bible. He is the day star. Matter of fact, at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 22, he said, I am the bright and the morning what? Star. Do you know what the day star is? It is the first light of a brand new day. And I'm glad to report to you tonight. Look, please. We may be living in the nighttime hours, but a new day is on the way. And Jesus Christ is very shortly to appear. And when he does, the day star is going to bring the entrance to a whole new day. But until then, he gives us a guide map for the way. Look at verse 20, knowing this first. That no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I want you to take your pen tonight and mark some things in your Bible. You got a pen handy? Let's mark some things in our Bible. In verse 17, I'd like for you to mark this phrase, such a voice. I love that expression. You all believe every word of Scripture is given by inspiration of God here. Do you all believe that? So God never wastes a word, nothing's there by accident, and there's no fillers in Scripture. I love this. He didn't just say there came a voice from heaven. No, no, there came what, church? Read it with me. Such a voice. You know what the word such is? It's what you say when you don't know what to say. It's just so wonderful. It's just, it's just such a great thing. And I love this. Peter, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You know Peter was never at a loss for words, right? Peter loved to talk. I, I was sitting thinking a moment ago how ironic it is that the man who was known for always opening his mouth and having something to say now says, I don't know exactly how to say this, but i got to tell you, there's a greater voice than mine. There's a greater word than mine. There's a greater message than mine. I love this. The talker got consumed with the one who is the word himself. 
And now what does he say? There came such a voice. And then in verse 18, would you mark this phrase, and this voice. Now I'll show you this in the Bible in just a moment. But actually verse 17 and verse 18 refer to two different events that Peter was the eyewitness of in both. He, he was in earshot of the voice in both occasions. And it's beautiful because on both occasions God was speaking. And then would you come down to verse number 19 and underline this phrase, a more sure word. A more sure word. Now, may I ask a question before we begin walking through these verses? How many of you would like to have been there to hear Jesus speak? Would you raise your hand? If I could say to you, Jesus is going to be in this auditorium tomorrow at noon. He'll be speaking in this auditorium at noon tomorrow in the flesh, in person, standing right here. How many of you would come? You wouldn't just come. You'd come early. You'd fight for the front seats. You know the ones nobody takes. You know the ones. You'd call your neighbors and you'd say, you've got to get to our church. Jesus is going to be speaking tomorrow. I, I tell you, I'd love to have heard the Lord Jesus in his actual voice. And in fact, we will someday. Isn't that a glorious thought? And the ones who heard him, what did they say? Never man spake like this man. We've never heard anything like the voice of Jesus. What a voice. And then there was that big booming voice that spoke from heaven. Who was that? That was the voice of the heavenly father speaking from glory about his son. And then I love this. At the end of the chapter, he said it really, the scriptures is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Do you see here how you have all three members of the Godhead? The father speaks, the son speaks, and the Holy Spirit speaks. Isn't that wonderful? So if I said to you tonight, would you like to hear God speak? There's not a single person in this room that would say, oh, no, we don't want to hear him speak. We all want to hear him speak. I'm going to tell you the problem. Would you hear me with your heart? The problem is not that God is not speaking. The problem is very few people in our day are on his frequency. Very few people are in tune enough with heaven to receive what it is that God himself is trying to say. In fact, we're so in tune with each other. We're, we're so in tune with the world around us. I said in the church this week, and when I said it, I think they just kind of gasped. But I said, one of the greatest enemies to revival in our generation is conservative news. Not liberal news. Conservative news. You understand just because it's conservative doesn't mean it's Christian. And just because they may be politically where you are does not mean they speak for God. In fact, they may have absolutely no faith in God at all. Did you know you could listen to so much of the commentators and prognosticators that after a little while you get your eyes on men and circumstances and off of God and miss God entirely? I'll tell you our problem. We're, we're not really in tune with heaven like old Vance Habner used to say. Do you hear the music in this room right now? Beautiful music. Listen to it carefully. Do you hear it? Somebody said, that preacher's lost his mind or lost his hearing one. There's no music in this room. Oh, yes, there is. And if you brought me a radio and let me start to tune the dial, somebody would say, oh, we know that song or we recognize that voice or we listen to that station in the car. Watch, please. Actually, that music is here already. Some receiver just has to get on the same frequency to receive what is already there. And I came to say to you in the opening meeting that we have together, God still speaks in our day, and he's looking for somebody who will receive what it is he has to say. 
If I could take you and transport you to the Mount of Transfiguration, can you imagine what an event that must have been? If I could pick you up from where we are and I could just drop you, bloop, right there on the Mount of Transfiguration and let you sit on the sidelines while the Lord Jesus is transfigured, the divine metamorphosis takes place and the glory of God is revealed. Look at the glow of God on his face. And Peter, who always had something to say, wanted to say something. So he said, let's build three tabernacles and stay here for a while. And then that voice spoke from heaven and we'll hear the voice in just a moment. You say, oh, if I could see that preacher, if I could hear that now, that really changed my life. Do you understand what we just read in 2 Peter chapter number 1? Peter, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, actually said, Said, there is something better than the Mount of Transfiguration. I want you to let that sink in just a moment. How could it be better? Look, if I didn't know this was in the Bible, I wouldn't say it. I think it was blasphemous. But I didn't say this. God says this. Mark it in verse number 19. He said it's a more sure word of prophecy. Look, there's something better than an experience. There's something better than an event. There's something better than an emotion. What is it? It is to have the word of the living God in front of you. George Whitfield, the great preacher of the Great Awakening, said God Almighty condescended to become an author and most people will never even read the book he wrote. Put it in black and white. Not everything he knows, but everything he wants us to know. He gave us a book. He gave us his word. He speaks through the Holy Scriptures. And I wonder where are the men and the women and the young people who are in tune enough with God to receive what it is that God has to say. Would you like to hear the voice of God? I want you to write two or three things down tonight, and they all come from these handful of verses. Number one, would you write this down? The voice of God always speaks through the Word. That's what the Word is, isn't it? The expression of the mind and the heart. The voice always comes through the Word. How did all of this start? Way back in Genesis, do you remember how it started? You know, we preachers, we get pretty artistic, don't we? And we say he flung the stars in space and he carved out the rivers with his pinky finger. And He didn't do that. That's not what he did. Read it for yourself. First page of the Bible, God just spoke. That's powerful. The power of the word was God said light and there was light and it was very good. Oh, wait a minute. How's it all going to end? God's going to say the word. There's going to be a shout, and in that moment, it will all be over. When he comes back, when he comes back in the end on that white horse to put down Satan, read it for yourself. We're coming with him. I was reading that the other day, and I noticed something. We're all dressed in white linen garments. How many of you think that doesn't sound like battle fatigues? Would you like to know why? Because you're not going to fight. You're just going to watch Jesus. He's not going to need you to fight. Mm -mm. No, you already got on the white linen garments. You've, you've been in his presence. You've, you've been at the judgment seat. You've been at the marriage supper of the Lamb. you still got your wedding dress on. That's what you got on. The white linen garments. And somebody says, well, how's he going to defeat all those armies of Satan? Read it for yourself in Revelation. The Bible says out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword and he defeats Satan with the word of his mouth. Oh, I love this. He set it all in motion with the word and he brings it all to conclusion with the word. The whole story is about the word of God. May I say to you, the word is not just powerful, it's personal. Because the very first thing God did with Adam and Eve, do you know the very first thing God did with Adam and Eve? 
We know that God made man out of the dust of the ground and God made woman out of the rib of man and God makes man and woman and we get this idea, yeah, he, he put them to work and that's not the first thing he did. Read it again in Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 28. The first thing God does as soon as he makes man and woman, the Bible says, and God blessed them and said. Oh, I love this thought. The first thing the creator did was he spoke to them. Did it ever dawn on you that God actually does want to speak to people? And I'm not talking about some big booming voice in the middle of the night or having some crazy vision, some spooky, mystical kind of experience. I'm not not talking about that kind of nonsense. I'm talking about the God of heaven who wants to speak to people on earth. And how did he do it? God always speaks through his word. And the God who spoke at creation spoke in the incarnation when his own precious son came. Watch please. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Would you like to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. Would you like to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. Would you like to hear what God sounds like? Look at Jesus. Because in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the very expression and the perfect expression of the heart of our God. And so he creates in the Word. He comes as the Word. And then when he leaves, he does not leave us alone. Anybody else glad he does not leave us alone? Instead, what does he do? He leaves us his Word written down. And how did it come? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Look, literally, breathed out of God, out of the very mouth of God. In fact, look at the last verse we read in verse number 21. The prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I've marked in my Bible, the men of God spake and then moved by the Holy Ghost. Don't miss this. It was not man's word. This is the word of the living God. This is not man's book. This is God's book. And frankly, I'm not allowed to make this book say what I want it to say. I'm not here to preach my sermons. I could care less if you remember my outline or my name. It's meaningless to me. I want you to know this. God Almighty wants to speak to you. Forget the messenger and remember that somebody sent the messenger. I think sometimes even in special meetings, we can get so taken with with the spokesperson that we forget fully on all of that. Look, please, we're all just a bunch of black-hearted, hell-deserving sinners in desperate need of the mercy of God. But there is a God in heaven who wants to be known, and it is God who is trying to speak to us at this moment. You see that word moved by the Holy Ghost? It literally means carried along like the wind carrying something along. I want you to know the Holy Ghost started moving in Genesis 1 when he moved and brooded over the face of the waters. He blew all through Scripture. He came like a mighty rushing wind on the day of Pentecost. And that Holy Ghost is still speaking through the Word of God at this moment. People say they want to see a move of God and then they neglect the Word of God. I tell you, the Spirit of God always works through the Word of God. This book is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He is the Spirit of truth. And I'm not into trying to help people have some euphoric experience. Get a tingle up your spine and a a chill through your body. And somebody says, oh, I really met with God. My friend, when you meet with God, you will hear the voice of God through the Word of God and you will come to know the glory of God because God always speaks through His Word. Let me tell you why the Word is better than the Mount of Transfiguration. 
Because the Mount of Transfiguration was for three guys. Who was up there? You know. You know the story. Who was up there? Peter, James, and John. Now, that's the inner circle. Somebody said, man, I'd like to have been up there. Watch this, please. One of those three guys says, I got something better than that. Because watch, please. This is not for three people to see. This is for everybody to hear. The Mount of Transfiguration was in one place. The Word of God goes to every place. Oh, what? Look, the Mount of Transfiguration was one day. Hallelujah. The Word of God speaks every day. I'll tell you what we need. We need an old-fashioned, heaven-sent, sin-killing, devil-defeating revival of Bible reading. That's what we need. People say they want a revival. Nonsense. They don't want a revival. They want a preacher like me to preach some interesting sermon and somebody says, we had a nice meeting tonight. That's not a revival. Revival is when God's people get in the book and the book gets in them and suddenly their heart awakens to who God is and they hear God for themselves. I tell you, when it all is done, if the only voice you've heard is mine, you missed it. In fact, I want to say right now with Samuel, speak, Lord, for thy servant here. I said to the Lord as I came into this meeting tonight, Lord, I need you to speak to me. And I meant that. I want you to listen to me just a minute. I, I, I could care less. I could care less. Somebody thinks, you know, that, that was a nice outline or that was a nice sermon. That's, that's becoming more and more meaningless to me with every passing day. I'm going to tell you what I want. I want to know that I've been in the presence of God. I've got a glimpse of God. I've heard the voice of God. I know God better. And I wonder, will you make that the prayer of your heart? Oh, God, speak to me. Here's the beautiful thing about the words. You don't have to be in church to have it. Aren't you glad about that? Now, I like church. Don't get me wrong. Look, I, I'm an evangelist. You know what that means? I'm in church almost every day of my life. In fact, this, it, they're talking about the schedule this weekend. This is, this is fine. This doesn't bother me in the least. Uh, the last, last two weeks or so, I, I was in one week, I was in almost 20-some meetings in, in a seven-day period. And when it was done, I was a little physically and mentally depleted, I'll just tell you. And meeting, 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 meeting. I mean, when you're an evangelist, every day Sunday. Somebody says, what's today? Sunday. What's tomorrow? Sunday. What's the next day? Sunday. Every day Sunday when you're in church all the time. Would you like to know the danger in that? If you're not careful, you're speaking and you're hearing others speak, but you're missing the voice of God. You know why you have a revival meeting? You don't have a revival meeting to have a revival meeting. If all we're doing is just having a meeting, I'm wasting my breath and you're wasting your time. Let's all go home right now. I'll tell you why we have a revival meeting. You have a revival meeting so something gets set in motion that continues after the revival meeting. Do you understand? There's something better than a revival meeting. It's called a revived life. And I'm going to tell you what that looks like. It looks like God's people falling in love with the Bible again and opening the Word and saying, Dear God, I want to know you better. You remember when you first got saved? You remember your first Bible? Or how about when you first started really getting serious about at least studying the Bible and you started finding things in the Scripture, and man, it was so exciting and thrilling, and it was basic stuff, and you'd tell somebody, and they acted like it was old hat because they'd heard it for years, but it was exciting to you because it was fresh in your soul. May I ask you, dear Christian, what happened to that? I'm going to tell you who has the hardest time staying stirred, older Christians. Let that sink in a moment. This summer, this month, I'll be 46. Is that right? 
count. Lord, help me. 46. 41 years ago, a lady led me to Jesus. So I've been saved for over 40 years. I've been in a lot of church in 40 years. I mean, long before I was preaching, mom and dad made sure we went to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival meeting, missions meetings. I mean, if they were opening the door for prayer or to clean it, we showed up. We were that family, you know. And it didn't hurt us any. And I'm going to tell you something, after all these years, I'm discovering something, that sometimes it's the new Christians, it's the young believers that are hungry and thirsty after God. And some of us who've been saved a little while, pardon me, have become professional Christians. And we know that already. And the preacher announces a text, and we say, I've heard that before. And we don't need something new. We need something fresh. That's what we need. We need a fresh encounter with the living God. Look, we need to go up on the mountain with the Lord. I'm not talking about some geographical location. I'm I'm talking about getting near the heart of God and saying, Oh, Lord, speak to me now. Hear me, church. God speaks in every generation to those who are ready to hear and willing to believe and ready to obey. I wonder, are there any people like that in here tonight? Number one, God speaks through his word. Number two, would you write this down? God always speaks by the Holy Spirit. When the Word works, the Spirit works. Do you see the emphasis here on the moving and the working of the Holy Spirit? This phrase in verse 21, moved by the Holy Ghost. Don't let that spook you. It's it's awful. It's awful. Saved people in Bible-believing churches are scared to death to talk about the Holy Ghost. I love the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you why I love him. Because if it wasn't for the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't know anything about Jesus. Everything I know about Jesus, the Holy Ghost taught me. Every good thing in my life, the Holy Ghost has brought from God's heart to my heart. So I just want to pause tonight and say, thank you, Holy Spirit. When was the last time you spoke to the Holy Spirit? It even sounds strange to some people, doesn't it? They say, well, we, we address the Father in prayer and we speak to the Son. Wonderful. Well, when was the last time you spoke to the Holy Spirit? Somebody says, I'm not sure about that preacher. All right, let me ask you a question. Is he a real person? Talk to me, yes or no. Does he live in your heart, yes or no? How many of you think it would be strange if somebody moved into your house and lived there for 40 years and you never talked to them? Sounds like some marriages, but that's a different conference, all right? Somebody said, well, that wouldn't be right, preacher. No, that's not right. And yet there are Christians that have the Holy Spirit. Think of this. The creator God of the universe, the God who said light and there was light and it was very good, the Holy Spirit that moved the Bible writers, the very author of Scripture, the God who is his own interpreter, lives inside of you and we ignore the person of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what we need. We need some of God's children to start coming to know the God who lives in them, the God who is at hand, the comforter that has come to guide us into all truth and begin to say to the Holy Spirit as we open the Scriptures, Holy Ghost, help me now, speak to me now. Do you understand that the same Holy Spirit that moved in the inspiration is the same Holy Spirit that moves in the illumination? I love this thought. The same Holy Ghost that moved Peter's pen is the same Holy Ghost that works in my heart. And I can say to the Holy Spirit, speak now. Move and work and do what no preacher on earth can do. When you walk through the door into a meeting, you ought to come with a certain expectancy and you ought to be breathing a prayer to God. Oh, Holy Ghost, speak. Holy Ghost, help us now. We need you. 
Where is that kind of passion and heart hunger for God? Where are those Christians that earnestly, fervently, passionately pursue God and let the Holy Spirit have His way with us? Church has become a spectator sport. God in heaven have mercy on us. You know, Pastor, I wish everybody had to preach one sermon in their life, just one. Just to stand up here and get to look at what we get to look at. It's a blessing, let me tell you. I'm serious. Let's trade places. Let me come back there and sit, and y'all come up here and stand. People come in, plop down in their seats and cross their arms and kind of glare at you and like, come on now, see if you can impress us for a few minutes. Let me use a deep mountain word for that. Hogwash. That's the furthest thing from New Testament Christianity I've ever seen in my life. You want to see God work in this church? You want to see God move? Don't wait on the pastor to preach a better sermon. You come praying, Holy Ghost, help him, and Holy Ghost, help me, and Holy Ghost, help them. And I tell you, when the Holy Ghost has his way, you will hear the voice of Almighty God. We've had enough of what man can do. No wonder we come with such little expectations and leave with with so little in our hearts and in our souls. You know what we need? We need some of God's people to get in tune with heaven again. Ready to get into the word and wide open to the person of the Holy Spirit of God. I'll tell you a little secret. When you start praying that the Holy Spirit will speak, you will not be disappointed. Let's take a survey. How many of you have ever been in a church service when the preacher was preaching and you could tell he was struggling? Would you raise your hand, please? I'm going to raise both mine because many times it's been me doing the struggling. I'm going to tell you what carnal Christians do. Carnal Christians say, you know, this is not his best sermon today, is it? I'm going to tell you what spiritual people do. Spiritual people discern that there's a spiritual warfare going on at that moment. And they may not bow their head, but they bow their heart. And they say to God, oh, Spirit of God, help him right now. I love this. To be carried along by the Holy Spirit. There's some preachers here tonight that know what I'm talking about. There are times when you're preaching, it's like you're wading through molasses just trying to get there. And then there are those glorious moments. Oh, may the Lord multiply them. When the wind of heaven blows at your back and carries you forward. And you know it's not you, it's the Lord. I'm going to tell you what we need. We need that wind to blow again. Oh, G. Campbell Morgan said, you cannot organize a revival. You cannot promote a revival. You cannot manufacture a revival. But you can set your sails to catch the wind of the Spirit when He chooses to blow from heaven. I'll tell you what we need. We need God's people to get their sails up. That's what we need. It begins with the Word. It continues with the work of the Holy Spirit. Please don't miss the most obvious thing in the text. Number three, would you write this down? This voice not only speaks through the Word and by the Spirit, but this voice always speaks of Jesus. It always speaks of Jesus. I love this. People want to talk about the deeper things of God. Do you understand you can't go any deeper than Jesus? Because you never never exhaust the infinite nature of Christ and all that is connected to Christ in your life. And here is Peter who saw a lot, who heard a lot, who who experienced a lot, who knew a lot. And when he writes, do you know what he wants to write about? He just wants to talk about Jesus. He said, I'd like you to know Jesus better. 
Vance Havner said revival is one thing. It's God's people falling in love with Jesus all over again. I didn't come with some list of things tonight you need to do. I came tonight to say to you, look at him. Look at Jesus. Hear the tender voice of the Son of God. And when suddenly your heart is strangely warmed and drawn to the beauty of Christ, look, Jesus will crowd out of your life what should not be there. And Jesus will put into your life everything that should be there. Oh, God, speak to us more, more about Jesus. The beginning of our study, I said to you, look at verse 17 and verse 18. He actually references two experiences that he had. Watch this. Verse 17 was at the baptism of the Lord Jesus. Verse 18 was at the Mount of Transfiguration. These were the two occasions where the Father's voice was heard from heaven. Let's just look at him for a second. Go back to the gospel according to Luke with me for a moment, would you please? There are other accounts, but let's go to the doctor's office for a minute, all right? Go with me to Dr. Luke's record in Luke chapter number 3 because here's the first record. This is what Peter referenced in verse 17. He says in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. <laughs> That's a great expression. Oh, Lord, open heaven to us. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. You ever wonder why a dove? Of all the birds, of all the, the symbolism here. Do you see the, the tenderness, the gentleness, the, the motherly love of our God? Do you see the peace and the purity of our God all wrapped up in the symbol of the dove of heaven? And look at verse 22, a voice. A voice from heaven which said, read it with me aloud, church, ready? Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. Now, may I just ask, how many of you in here tonight are children of God by faith? Would you raise your hand, please? You're children of God, all right? So that makes you sons and daughters, and we're family members, and we got the same father, and we all praise God for that. But I want you to know there's only one beloved son. We're accepted in the beloved, but there's one well-beloved son. Look, please, because there's only one son the father could ever say of, I'm well-pleased with you. <laughs> May I just tell you, I'm glad to be a child of God, but I know I don't always please my heavenly father, but Jesus always has, does now, and always will. In fact, he testified himself in John's record, I do always those things that please my heavenly father. And the Father speaks, and what does he want to talk about? Don't miss this, please. The Father wants to tell you about Jesus. Did you ever notice that every time one member of the Trinity speaks, they're always speaking about another member of the Trinity? That's interesting, isn't it? When Jesus talks, he wants to tell you about the Father, and then he wants to tell you about the Holy Spirit. When the Father speaks, he wants to tell you about Jesus, and when the Father and the Lord Jesus do something, guess what they do? They send the Holy Spirit, and they want to tell you about the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, guess what he wants to do? He wants to show you God and teach you more about Jesus. That's pretty good, isn't it? All the beautiful glory and humility, even in the Godhead. But I love this. In Luke chapter number 3, what do we get? We get a picture of the perfection of Jesus. Look at his glorious perfection. Have you been sick and disgusted recently by all the mess going on around us? Anybody else in the room been frustrated and flustered and just, you know, what in the world's going on? The whole world's lost their mind. Can we get an amen on that? Let me give you a recommendation. Stop majoring on that and start meditating more on the perfection of Jesus. 
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Somebody said, it's a mess, preacher. Yes, it's a mess, but isn't Jesus wonderful? Maybe we need to stop talking about how bad it is and start talking again about how good God is. And so we turn over a few pages, same book. Come with me to Luke chapter number 9. Because this is the second occasion, and this is the parallel of verse 18 of what Peter wrote about the Lord Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 9. We're now on the Mount of Transfiguration in verse 28. And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, I do find it interesting that God spoke, and both times he spoke from heaven, Jesus was praying. Isn't that interesting? Maybe we'd hear more of the voice of God if he heard more of our voice. Maybe, maybe we'd see heaven open a little bit and the moving of the Holy Spirit and the word of God to our hearts if we got serious about seeking God in prayer a little more. Jesus, as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. And Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. Anybody else ever said something really dumb? He just didn't even know what he was saying. He just, just so nervous. He just... While he thus spake, mm. <laughs> isn't it great when God interrupts? While he was talking about a bunch of nonsense, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came, would you mark it in your Bible, a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. And this time, instead of saying, I'm well pleased in him, this time there's a command. What's the command? Hear him. When was the last time you heard the Lord speaking to you? How long has it been? You know what I'm talking about. When was the last time you didn't just hear a sermon, you heard God? When was the last time you didn't just hear a beautiful song or somebody give a testimony, you heard God, you were in a crowd of people and knew God had zeroed in on you and you were on his frequency and God was after you and God was speaking to him. God looks at Peter and says, you better listen to this one right here, hear him. You know what I thought is really interesting? It was a rebuke. <laughs> Don't you know Peter closed his mouth and looked at Jesus when God said this? It was a rebuke. Watch this. And all those years later, when Peter writes 2 Peter, instead of referring to it as a rebuke, it's like the most precious memory he can think of. Ponder that just a moment. Let me ask you a question. Isn't it good when God loves us enough to rebuke us? And when you finally get your ears open and your eyes open and your mind open and your heart open, instead of feeling terrible because he rebuked you, don't you just rejoice that you heard God speak to you? There's nothing in this world or in the next like hearing the voice of God. Somebody said, what are you looking forward to most in heaven? Oh, I'm looking forward to lots of things. I'm going to tell you what I'm looking forward to most. I can't wait to hear the voice of God. God's going to be there, you see. He's going to speak. And I'm going to hear him. <laughs> but watch this. I don't have to wait till I die or get raptured to hear him. I can hear him right now. 
Because God speaks through His Word and by His Spirit and all about Jesus. Look, please, He's bringing us to know more and more of the loveliness and the sufficiency of Christ. I don't know all the spiritual needs in this room. How can I possibly know that? I mean, I know a few people in the room, but I don't know the spiritual needs, even of the people that I know. But here's what I know. Jesus is enough. And when you get near Jesus and Christ gets in his rightful place and you hear the voice of God, the Lord begins through his own divine sufficiency to meet the deepest need of your life. I say to you, get in the word, yield to the spirit, and look to Jesus and God will speak to us. The first time I know I heard God's voice was 41 years ago. 41 years ago. I was just a boy. I'm sure I'd heard the gospel before. But it was the first time I remember hearing the gospel. It was the first time I remember conviction. I remember being in a meeting. I don't even remember who spoke. I don't even remember what they spoke on. All I remember was them saying, some of you, you want to know more about knowing Jesus. You don't really know Jesus. And it was like an error to my heart. You know what I realized that was now? That was the voice of God speaking to me. Look, the Lord has many mouthpieces, but only one word. He's the word. God spoke to me. As I started growing in the Lord, I started learning more about how God speaks. I started growing in my experience with God, and and the Lord started opening things to me in Scripture. I I remember July the 27th, 1989. I just celebrated 33 years sitting in a meeting, in the back of a meeting, corner by myself in a chair. And a preacher got up and preached like a wild man. He jumped up and down, hollered and stomped, screamed, snorted, and ran back and forth and spit all over the front first three rows. And I still don't remember what he preached on that night. You know what I remember? God spoke to me that night. I just can't explain it to you any other way. God had my attention, and the Lord that night drew me as a 12-year-old boy, drew me to himself. And that night I met God in that altar, and God radically changed my life. And I'm thinking now through all of these scenes in my memory and in my mind, stir yourself up by way of remembrance. Come on, church. Go back. Go back in your memory just a minute. Go back to where you were when you got saved. Go, go back to where you were when God really awakened you and you started following. Go back to where you were when you really decided you wanted to start witnessing and getting your family saved and you started getting into the word and when you first really started praying and getting answers to prayer remember all of these things and then know this that same God wants to speak to you right now if we will simply get in tune with heaven would you bow your head and close your eyes with me tonight right where you are if it's all right, I don't think we'll have any music tonight at all So that everybody can pray and the only sound in the room in a moment will be the sound of people talking to the Lord. May I ask a question or two? Our heads and hearts bowed before God. How many of you in this room can honestly say, Preacher, if I died right now or Jesus came right now, I am 100% sure I'm a Christian. I know my sins have been forgiven. I'm not perfect, but I belong to Jesus, and he belongs to me. I'm ready to meet God like I am. I want you to raise a holy hand to God right now, would you please? Hold it big and high in the air. With your hand lifted to heaven, would you just thank God for that right now? Because if it wasn't for Jesus, you couldn't say that. When was the last time you said to God, Dear God, thank you for speaking to me and saving me. Thank you for giving me Jesus. 
What a wonderful Savior we have. You may lower your hands, and I must ask this question. I dare not take it for granted, and nor should you. Who among us tonight would say, Preacher, if I died tonight or Jesus came tonight, I don't have that assurance. I am not 100% certain of my own relationship with God. I don't have that peace of knowing my sins have been forgiven, that I have eternal life. Brother Scott, I'm not sure I'm ready to go to heaven, but I'm sure of this. I don't want to go to hell. And I'm concerned enough about my soul to ask you to pray for me. Would you pray for me? I will not embarrass you. I'd like you to slip your hand up in the air with mine long enough for me to see it. Thank you, dear one. Yes, I see you. Thank you. Who else? I'm not certain of my soul's salvation, but I want that. If you just raised your hand, nobody in this room is looking but me. If you just raised your hand, would you do me one favor, one kindness? Would you lift your head and look at me for just a moment? I just want to talk to you for a second. I want to tell you something. I don't know you, but God loves you. I don't think you know me. Do you believe in divine appointments? <laughs> Do you think God could have brought me all the way here tonight to preach and you in the meeting tonight for one purpose so that you could come to know Jesus? Do you believe that? God loves you that much, I'll tell you that. And I'm going to give you some really good news tonight. God loves you so much he gave his son for you. Jesus died for your sins. That's what the Bible says. And he didn't stay dead. Here's the really good news. He rose from the dead so you could have eternal life. May I ask those of you that are looking at me right now a personal question? You don't have to speak out loud. Just nod your head at me if you will. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead? Do you believe that? That's wonderful. Then I'm going to give you a verse. This is God's word. Jesus said this. He said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I'm going to tell you what that means. It means if you'll take Jesus, he'll take you. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? It means if you'll come to him and let him be your savior, he'll bring you into his family. I want to ask you another question. Jesus tonight to save you by faith that he would answer that prayer. Do you believe that? Yes. That's what the Bible says. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's exact scripture. Whosoever. That's you. Here's what I'd like to do. I will not embarrass you. I don't know what you've seen in other places. I don't like to be embarrassed. And I don't like to embarrass others. I'm not into that. But I'll tell you what I would like to do. I'd like to give you an opportunity right where you sit tonight to invite the Lord Jesus, the lovely Savior, into your heart and life. I'd like to give you an opportunity to pray in faith and let Jesus come in. And if tonight you know you need him, or you wouldn't have looked at me, if tonight you're willing to repent of your sin and believe on Jesus, I'm not asking you to give a speech to the church. I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm asking you to put your faith in Jesus alone and let him be your Savior. If tonight you will do that, I'd like to lead you in a simple prayer right where you sit to invite Christ into your life. Look, I'm getting ready to ask all the Christians to join me in a prayer, but this is most important to me. Jesus is coming, and I want everybody in this room to be ready to meet God, and I think that's what you want for yourself as well. If you do, I want you to bow your head with me right now. And all over this room, and anybody watching online that's not certain of your soul's salvation, and you say, I want to get that settled tonight. I'd like you to join me in this prayer. Would you take this prayer and make it your own? Just pray it from your heart to God. God is listening.
Would you pray right now, dear one? Say something like this, dear God. I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. And no one else can save me. But I do believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe, Lord Jesus Christ, that you rose from the dead like the Bible says. Now come into my heart. Forgive all of my sins. I trust you now, once and for all, to be my personal Savior. Give me eternal life like you promised. And help me follow you from this day forward. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Now help me to live for you. Our heads are bowed. People are praying. I'm going to give you a verse if you just pray that prayer. The Bible says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. <laughs> Ma'am, if I gave you a million dollars tonight, I don't think you'd be embarrassed. You'd be excited. And if tonight you took Jesus as your Savior, you got something a whole lot better than a million dollars. You got eternal life. You can never spend that up. And if you just prayed that prayer and meant it, I don't think you'll be ashamed to tell me. So I want to ask another question right now. Who in this room tonight would say, Preacher, I prayed that prayer from my heart to God, and I meant it. And tonight I'm trusting Jesus, and I'm not embarrassed to tell you that. I want you to raise your hand in the air with mine right now. Would you please? God bless you. That's great. Who else? God bless you. I see you. Who else? You say, I prayed tonight to receive Jesus. Anyone else? I prayed tonight to receive Jesus. If that's you, would you lift your head and look at me right now? If you... If you pray tonight, look at me in the eye. I want to commend you for your decision tonight. I'm going to ask you to do something. I will not embarrass you. I'll keep my word. I'm getting ready to ask all these Christians if they'll come and join me in a prayer. I don't want you lost in the shuffle. The pastor and his wife are right here with Bible in their hand, right here at the front. I'm going to ask those of you tonight who ask Jesus into your heart to be your Savior in just a moment to come and let them have just a prayer with you and give you something that's been written that you can take home with you to read about knowing Jesus as your Savior. And if you're here tonight and you didn't get saved but you want to, this would be a great opportunity to let somebody answer your questions from the Bible and have a prayer with you. Oh, come to Jesus tonight. Here's what I'm going to do. No music. Very straight up. I'm going to count to three. When I do, I'm going to ask those of you who tonight are trusting Jesus as your Savior or want to, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat and come meet the pastor and his wife right here. One, two, three. Three. Would you come right now? God bless you. That's wonderful. Come on. Amen. Who else? You say, I, I, I'm settling this tonight, and I want to settle it tonight. I want to be saved and know I'm saved. Who else? Don't leave without Jesus, dear one. Please don't leave without Jesus. Oh, God loves you, and we love you. And Christ wants to save you, and you can leave knowing it. My wife is right here. I'd love for you to come and let somebody talk with you. Anybody else, you say, I want to be saved tonight. 
I want to speak to God's people. By the way, at any moment in this season of prayer, if you want to be saved, you come. Somebody will meet you right here. Jesus will meet you here most of all. And I want to speak to all of God's people who are here tonight, all the Christians in the room. I have a couple questions for you. Here's the first. How many believers in the room tonight would say, Preacher, I'm just going to be honest. I'm saved, but I am not where I need to be as a Christian. And tonight, I need to get some things right between me and God, confess some things to Him, rededicate some things to Him. I need to get thoroughly right with God as a Christian. That's me, and the Holy Spirit showed me that's me, and God is speaking to me. Pray for me. I want you to raise your hand in the air with mine right now. Would you please? You say, that's me. If you mean it, would you stand to your feet right now? Just stand up right where you are. You say, God's speaking to me tonight. I'm a Christian. And I'm not ashamed to say God's got my attention. That's wonderful. Now remain standing just a moment because in a minute I'm going to ask you to lead the charge to an old-fashioned altar. Here's the second question. This is very important. It's for every believer in the room. How many Christians here tonight would say, Brother Scott, best I know, best I know, there's nothing between me and God that I need to confess. I'm right with the Lord, but... Tonight, God's showing me that I need to be more in tune with the Lord and ready to receive what He has for me. I want to rededicate myself to the Scriptures and be yielded to the Holy Spirit, and I want to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Preacher, I really want, not just this weekend, but in my Christian life, I want God to speak to me, and I want to get ready to hear Him. Preacher, that's me. Pray for me. Would you raise your hand with mine right now all over the room? If that's you, would you stand to your feet and join those who are already standing? as a public testimony of this, and you say, I, I'm open. I'm wide open to God, and I want God to speak to me. If this Bible message has been used of God in your life, or we can pray for you in some definite way, please contact us at enjoyingthejourney.org. We hope you will share the message with others who may also be encouraged by it. For additional full-length Bible messages, please visit Dr. Scott Pauley's YouTube channel. Tomorrow is the Lord's Day, and we want to encourage you to be faithful to attend a Bible preaching church in your area this Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Weekend Pulpit, and don't miss Enjoying the Journey daily devotional podcast each Monday through Friday.